Hey everybody, this is Athena, and you're back here to listen to another amazing episode of Vanished in the Valley. Got a few things we're going to cover today. Uh, this weekend I was up in the mountains at this place called Immigrant Gap. And it's up uh, Highway 80 in California. It's so amazing. It's just mountains, rivers, there was barely any smoke. Um, I had passed this place like a million times before on my way up to Lake Tahoe, uh, Reno, all that kind of stuff, but I had never been there. And apparently your girl here, Athena, left singlehood. I've been single for like 10 fucking years, no shit. And I finally got a boyfriend. Hey, Garrett. I think you guys have heard me talk about it in the last couple of episodes, but... His amazing ass showed me this place, and there's, like, waterfalls. There's, like, a 50-foot waterfall, and there's, like, pools to swim in, places to hike. It was fucking amazing. Beautiful. I recommend if you guys are around that area, go check it out. There's so many cool little roads you can pull off, get down, go have a picnic, get out of your fucking houses, because I know you can't really do much with this uh, so-called Rona threat everywhere. But... The thing is, is like all the camping spots there are closed. The day use is closed and there's not anywhere where you can like really pay your fees. So in lieu of paying my fees, I'm going to just highlight one of the missing people they have from that area and, you know, try to pay back what I got out of just going there Sunday. I got exercise. I got out of the house. I got sun and got to make out with my boyfriend next to a river a little bit. It was fucking awesome. So, I don't know, it's just I don't kind of what you do in life. If you get a service or, you know, you get something, you pay it back. And if you can't do that through money, find another way. But just be a fucking decent person. When you get a service from somewhere or something, leave it better than you left it. Fucking just don't be a dick. Pay it forward. Some shit like that. So, here we go. I'm going to talk about a missing person and then we'll get into some other stuff going on. Push Pinder... Kawar Sangha. She went missing February 11th, 2000, and she went missing from Live Oak, California. There is just pathetically nothing really on the internet about her or her disappearance, so I'm just going to let you know what I was able to find. She is of Asian descent. She is 47 years old right now because her birthday is December 12th, 1972. So she was like only, what, 27 years old when she went missing? Uh, she's very tiny, 5'4", 135 pounds. She's described as being an Asian female, brown hair, brown eyes. She does have a nickname, and it is Jatender, and she is of Indian descent. Uh, let me just go through the details of her disappearance. I'm telling you, it's just pathetic. Um, I'm already going to tell you who I think did it. Hi, husband. <laughs> So check this out. She was last seen leaving her family's residence on North Butte Road in Live Oak in California on February 11th, 2000. And check this out. At approximately 11.49 a.m. She was driving her black 1997 Chevy Lumina with a California license plate of bloody da 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 You guys don't need to know that. She's never been heard from again. And the husband... Check this out. He waited nine days to report her missing. 
I'm just like, really? Did the police think that was fucking strange? She's like, oh, your wife has been missing for nine days. You have a four-year-old child who everyone describes this woman like her child was her life. And she's just going to walk out on her child? I mean, screw the husband, but walk out on the child? No, I don't see that. No, her family doesn't think that's right either. Her car was discovered abandoned shortly thereafter. And there's been no sign of her since. There was no sign of foul play at the scene of her car, nothing. She did miss an appointment with United States Immigration and Naturalization Services on February 23, 2000. The, the authorities do say she disappeared under suspicious circumstances and her case is unsolved. It's a cold case. And as usual, I'll put her picture up on the Instagram as well as the Facebook because I'm not sure if the Instagram is going to remain or what they're doing with it. As of right now, it's still functioning. You can still see everything. So I will place any pictures I can find of her there. In the meantime, if you happen to know anything about this woman and how she disappeared, please call Sutter County Sheriff's Department at 530-822-7313. Or <laughs> you can email me at vanishedinthevalley at gmail.com. Or, like I was just saying, go to the Instagram or the Facebook and let me know what you've been the information. If you don't want to speak to the police, I will gladly speak to them for you and tell them whatever information you want them to know. So let's see if we can maybe find this woman, uh, maybe get some justice for her, maybe put some pressure on the police to talk to that husband again. I mean, it just, it totally brings a bullshit. You're going to wait nine days to report your wife, you know, your so-called beloved wife missing? What the fuck is the story behind that? I don't know. I just, I saw this case and I just think something is fishy. So, yeah, I don't know. I'll see if I can get more information as time comes on this case. I left a message at the Sheriff's Department, so I am still waiting back to see if they can provide any more information or any more details or anything. But, uh, yeah, they, she has family. They want to know where she went. She has a four-year-old child that's growing up without a mother. It's like uh, people just don't vanish off the face of the earth. She's got to be somewhere. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, guys. That's literally all the information I could find about this woman. So... Get a hold of somebody if you have any information. I got a lot of my information on this case from the Charlie Project. I keep telling you guys about this uh, website. It's fucking amazing. And let me just kind of give you a background on it. It's actually named after Charlie Ross. And Charlie was America's first kidnapping for ransom. Well, I guess the first one to receive widespread media coverage. He was born May 4th, 1870, and disappeared July 1st, 1874. Even now, his fate remains unknown, and he's one of the most famous disappearances in U.S. history. Now, let me just give you a rundown on what happened to this little guy. Four-year-old Ross and his five-year-old brother, Walter, were playing in the front yard of their family's home in Germantown, and that's in Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. A horse-drawn carriage pulled up, and they were approached by two men who offered the boys candy and fireworks, if they would take a ride with them. 
So apparently, I, I'm thinking, you know, don't take candies from strangers type thing came from this incident. So that's probably why it's one of the most well-known cases of abduction and ransom. The boys agreed, and they all proceeded to go through Philadelphia to a store where Walter was directed to buy fireworks inside with 25 cents. Walter did so, but the carriage left without him, and Charlie was never seen again. So... The boy's father began receiving ransom demands from the apparent kidnappers. They arrived in the mail, and they were written in an odd hand. Coarse, semi-illiterate style with many simple words misspelled. The ransom amount was anywhere from like twenty dollars to $25,000, which in today's money is about $400,000. See, the problem is, though, with this $400,000... The Ross family was not wealthy and was actually heavily in debt to the stock market crash of 1873. Seeing no way to pay any of this ransom, Christian went to the police and the kidnapping soon became national news. There was uh, suspects in the case, but they just didn't have enough evidence to actually go on anything. The problem is, you know, it's, you know, the 1800s, there wasn't many witnesses and detective work was not where it is today. There was one arrest of a former Philadelphia policeman named William Westervelt. He was arrested and held in connection with the case. He was tried in 1875 for kidnapping. So although he was held in prison and you know went to the whole trial thing, there was virtually no evidence to tie him to the crime itself. He always maintained his own innocence and swore that he did not know the whereabouts of Charlie Ross. He was found not guilty of the kidnapping, but he was found guilty of the lesser charge, conspiracy. So he served six years in prison, and, you know, no one was ever held accountable, no justice was ever served in this case. So, yeah, that's just a little side note of where the Charlie Project got their name and what it's all about. So if you go to charlieproject.org, you can make a donation if you'd like. It's an awesome database. It provides so much information on missing people, and it's like so much more robust. There's so much more information on this database than even most of the media gets. So up top to the creator of the Charlie Project. Okay, and then like on a little side note, speaking of creators... Uh, we have a listener, her name is Grace, and she is a musician. She made a little song for Vanished in the Valley, and I thought it was awesome. I appreciate that she actually, you know, took time and effort into coming and checking out what we were about, and I'm just going to play the song that she created for us, and if you want to check out any of her stuff, her music, because she's like an actual musician, she's not just some fucking entertainer. She does have a Facebook page. Go check it out. It's called Grace's Music. Go join. Check it out. But get ready for this. And again, thank you, Grace. I totally appreciate it. Vanish from the city and vanish from the wood. We vanish from the suburbs and eat in your neighborhood. We vanish from the valley. Places that you've stood. So please use this time to find us before we're lost for good. 
See, that was fucking, it was like this super eerie. If uh, I have some time, I'm going to try to put some background eerie ass music into that. And I think it would be pretty cool. So again, thank you, Grace. We totally appreciate that. Over here at Vanish in the Valley. Boop, boop. So now it's time to get into some bullshit on what's going on with the child sex trafficking and the sexualization of child children and how the media is basically just trying to normalize pedophilia as if it's like some fucking normal thing and how it doesn't destroy millions of lives every year. So I don't know if you guys have heard about this kid. It's kind of like an older story. His name is Desmond, and his parents allow him to go to, I guess, uh, bars, strip bars, and strip in front of adults for money. And I'm just like, okay, what the fuck, CPS? You keep fucking taking kids from everywhere else, but you don't think this is strange? Obviously not, because the kid is still with the parents. But let me just read you a quote from little Desmond. All right, and keep in mind, he's like eight years old, maybe nine now, but this is a direct quote from him. I am a sexy kid with sexy feelings. It's totally cool for grown-ups to get turned on by me. I love it. That's why I do this stuff. It's great. It's fun. It's me. Okay, what the actual fuck? Nobody thinks that's crazy or weird or strange or fucking criminal. No, it's not okay for adults to, I guess, uh, want to fuck kids. And it's not okay for kids to strip in bars for money with adults there. It's just not fucking okay. Um, and I know this is kind of an older story, but this shit's still going on. And I, there's actually a video of that shit on the internet. So if you want to get disgusted, go just check out Desmond is Great or some shit like that. His name is Desmond. He's a drag queen kid. Like, really, a fucking drag queen kid? There's actually words for this? But, I don't know. Nobody seems to think this is abuse, and nobody has stepped in and been like, what the fuck is going on here? And I just wanted to kind of read you, I guess, this little article I found on Cracked.com. So, it's about uh, pedophiles and trying to normalize it, basically. So, here we go. They're basically, they start off saying they don't know what the exact percentage of the population are pedophiles. There are estimates that say it's about 20% of people, but most people aren't actually going to admit they're a pedophile, obviously. So, and there's no uh, psychics out there picking people's brains to find a true number, so the guess is about 20%. But, let's, uh, <laughs> let's get on with it before you throw up. In surveys, 18% of males admitted to having sexual fantasies about children, 8% said they'd masturbated to those fantasies, and 4% said they'd have sex with a child if they could get away with it. But, you know, that's just a survey. They could be lying and, you know, all kinds of bullshit could be going on. So, researchers took a bunch of subjects and hooked them up to boner detectors so, depending on the experiment, the percentage of subjects who got turned on by naked children under the age of 12 ranged from 17 to 50%. So, I mean, I get it. I'll be the first to say having sexual feelings for a child is one thing, and having sexual feelings for a child and acting upon those feelings are two different things. 
So I don't care if it's fucking 90% of people that get aroused by children. If they don't act on it, they don't fucking act on it. What I care about are the ones that care more about fucking getting off than a child's well-being and their fucking sanity. Those are the motherfuckers that need to be taken care of. And I just, I don't see many cases of these people being cured. I mean, I it's easy to, you know, it's easy to sit here and say the cure is a fucking bullet to the brain. But I don't know, it just doesn't seem to be a lot of hard research and evidence saying prison works, mental counseling works, chemical castration works. So I don't know, I wish somebody would kind of get on that research so we could try to get some numbers, figure out what's going on. But what appears when someone draws or digitally renders child pornography, it's so fucked up. But... Is it illegal? And I'm talking about like, you know, cartoons of child porn when people like are making animated porn with children in it. The thing is, it's not illegal, usually. But I mean, sometimes it's going to come down to the state, but in general, it's not illegal. No child, quote unquote, is getting hurt. So, I don't know. Some people say it encourages pedophiles to go after the real kids. Some say it's actually distracting them from real kids. Uh, what's going on here? <laughs> In the Czech Republic, there is an increased availability of child pornography. And with studies there, they are saying it leads to a drop in actual child abuse. So what exactly they're saying is this fake child porn stuff is actually helping the real sexual child abuse problem. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I haven't, like, read their journals of medicine or, you know, the research methods. This is just literally an article I'm reading to you, and I just thought it was kind of interesting, if it's true. I mean, maybe it's something to explore. So, I don't know. they got to come up with some solutions, because the shit they're doing right now, I mean, it's like putting a Band-Aid on fucking cancer after the person's died. It's not really helping anything. Oh yeah, and guys, check this out. So, I was talking about a missing girl from Olympia, Washington last week, and I'm just like super stoked. She was found alive. So, remember Ashley, I was telling you, Ashley McHatton had boarded a bus in Olympia, Washington, en route to Redding, California. And she disappeared somewhere in Portland, Oregon. Well, her family has located her. She is alive. She is safe and well. And that's what's up. That's the last three girls I've talked about have come back alive. And I'm hoping this next girl I talk about, I hope she comes back alive too. So get ready for this. So the next woman that I want to talk about, this one is really, really important because she may be experiencing postpartum depression she was last seen on August 7th, 2020. Her name is Amanda Lankins. She's blonde haired, blue eyed, and let me give you a phone number right now. It's for the Red Bluff Police Department at area code 530-527-3134. So let me just kind of give you a background on her. She may be in Bernie, California, Alturas, California, or Bieber, California. So any of you people out there in Bernie, you guys, if you've seen this woman, please, you can let me know. Go to vanishedinthevalley at gmail.com or the Instagram or the Facebook. And let me just get to her little background story here. 
So there's a few players in this situation, so bear with me while I try to tell you the story. There's a woman named Valerie, and she seems to have taken Amanda off the Prey Street property in Redding, California, where her newborn daughter and her boyfriend, who is the father of the child, were at. And Valerie is supposedly a friend of the boyfriend, whose name is Emery. Valerie claims she doesn't know where Amanda is and is no longer even friends with Emery or Amanda. Emery has an address up in Modoc County, and some people said that Amanda had left to go to Aiden. A guy named Cody, so, sorry, bear with me, who is somehow connected to the boyfriend's father, relayed the information to the Red Bluff Police Department and gave out the address of the, the property up in Modoc County. But the boyfriend says he knows nothing of what's going on. And he's just kind of not even really being helpful at this point. And asked how his dad all of a sudden had an address for Amanda. The boyfriend, Emery, said, I had the address. So it's now kind of commonly believed that Emery may have been impersonating his father. And he's told Amanda's mom just to kind of knock it off. So there's suspicions going on now with the boyfriend, the boyfriend's dad, and now this other Valerie girl. So it's in the hopes that this gets resolved promptly because in the past, Emery Jr. and a friend of his had gotten a hold of some videos or something after one of the massage places had been raided and it showed possible trafficking and pornography involved in their business. The objects that were taken into Emery's shed on his property are kind of sketchy. So, I mean, this, this whole situation is not looking good. There's sex trafficking, there's massage parlors, there's now impersonations. Emery's family is going through guardianship and custody of Amanda's newest daughter. And it's in hopes that Ginny Tapal with the Shasta County CPS gets word of all of this. So, you guys, her family is extremely concerned for her well-being and is asking for anybody's help trying to find her. So, again, if you know Amanda's whereabouts or you have any information on her disappearance, please call the Red Bluff Police Department at 530-527-3134 or even just call 911. Or get a hold of me. Anything. We gotta try to find this girl. She does have a case number with Red Bluff PD. It's 20-2349. And and like as of right now, there's nothing in the media about this woman missing. Nobody's picked up on it. I'm not sure why there hasn't been like a little news segment in Red Bluff or her area. But it's just like totally quiet. And the information I just gave you is the only thing I can find about this girl. It's like, how is it a mother can just go vanish like this, just disappear? She's got a, you know, newborn daughter. Nobody fucking's talking about it. Nobody cares. And it's suspicious as fuck with the sex trafficking and all that other shit I just told you. So let us know. Hopefully we can get her home to her family and get her reunited with her daughter. So before I go today, I just wanted to kind of uh, talk about these arson fires again that are, I don't know, they're being treated as a conspiracy theory, even though you can literally look up these people's records and see all the people getting arrested for arson. I know that 
two police officers were, I don't think they were fired yet, but they're in the process of firing them for talking about arson suspects publicly. I know a fire chief in Oregon was fired because he was talking about this, the fires up there possibly being arson. And now Joe fucking Rogan, like UFC Joe Rogan, literally went on Instagram to apologize and redact a statement he made about some of the fires up in Portland, Oregon being by arson. It's like, what the fuck is going on? What? Why can't anybody talk about this, these fires as being arson and not just climate change? Isn't it possible that it's kind of a mix of both? It really makes me wonder why it's the paint, the picture is trying to be painted as no arson is involved here. Like, I just, I can't see what the whole end game is on this. So I don't know if you guys have any information about the arson situations going on in California and why it's trying to be covered up. Let me know, contact me because I'm just like super fucking curious. I did see this one video of this badass woman taking down this arson guy at gunpoint, holding him down because he was on her property trying to start fires. So she finds this dumb motherfucker and holds him at gunpoint until the police get there to arrest him. So it's like, not only are there police records of these people being arrested for arson, there's people talking about it on the, the internet, and now there's video evidence of it. So I just don't, I don't know, I don't get it. What could be the end game of this situation? Why won't the media talk about it? And why is it so hush hush? I don't know, I don't get it guys. But <laughs> just one more thing to fucking throw into 2020. Can this fucking year be over yet, please? Jesus Christ. So uh, let's talk about some uh, downloads and let's talk about Patreon. Again, I wanted to thank the two Patreons from last week. That was Garrett and Tukey Jr. They are the ones that took care of your guys' bonus episode from last week. So I think that's just how I'm going to do it. If anybody wants to, uh, I guess, be a producer of a bonus episode, go to the Patreon and type in Vanished in the Valley. And just uh, any old Patreon, just one. I'm not going to do that tier shit or like only the fucking Patreons get the uh, bonus shit. If we get any Patreons, I will do a bonus episode and everybody can have it. So... That's just how cool I am. But <laughs> let's get to who is watching or who is listening to Vanished in the Valley this week. So as always, of course, the U.S. is in the lead by far. Um, and the U.K., hey, guys, welcome back. You guys took back the second place spot. So Deal, Kettering, Kindle, London, Royal. Oh, my God, you guys, I'm sorry if I'm fucking this up. Royal Tunbridge Wells. <laughs> that's actually kind of a cool name. Thank you guys for the downloads. I appreciate it. And that's what's up. I don't know how you guys found me, but fuck, thank you. Keep it up. Do you guys have any missing people way over there in the UK you want me to profile? Get a hold of me and I'll try to see what I can do and see what information I can find on your people. Because I don't think I've actually left the United States for a story before. So, well, a story on a missing person. And then let's go to the good old US of A. We've got, oh, the three usual suspects on the top three spots. Sacramento, Kamas, and Redding. Number four is Koppel. We got Louis, oh, Louis. We got Louisville, Nashville, 
LA, Brooklyn, Salinas, and Anaheim. You guys are what's up. You, I got hella downloads in those cities. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. And then before I actually run out of here, I just wanted to kind of let you guys know about a situation. It's not like I think it's ever going to become public and I'm going to get in trouble, but I just want to keep everything on the up and up because I'm always like talking shit about our government and like the alphabet agencies or whatever. So I was involved in this little group online that hunted pedophiles and other people getting up to fuckery on the internet. And at first it was sanctioned by a government agency that has those little letters in it. And apparently at some point they decided to pull the plug and did not actually want to be green lighting this project. So we kept it rolling with one of these employees that worked for that agency. And uh, we were actually doing really good. We were able to collect evidence on some fucked up people and, you know, hopefully get them stopped. But I don't know, some crazy shit's been going down lately. And I just, I had to step out of the group. But just for like integrity's sake, because I'm always talking shit about the government and I just didn't want it to seem weird. If by some weird chance something came out, I wanted to be the first to tell you guys that. But that was my only involvement in it. Um, so I don't ever fucking, I don't work for the government. I don't, I don't even get paid for that shit. We were never allowed to get paid or take rewards or even credit. So I don't know. But just from my work doing that, there are some fucked up pedophiles not even bothering with the dark net right here on the regular net that your kids can access. And your kids do access it. I, I saw kids as young as like 11 doing this stuff that we were trying to stop. So always be aware of what your kids are doing on the damn internet. I know people say it a lot, but I, I fucking can't even stress that enough, you guys. It's fucking disgusting out there. And you probably don't even know the half of it. And then just, you know, in real life, just be aware. And don't forget your pepper spray. Ciao, ciao. Are you lost?